It's good to be in the presence of the Lord. To be in his presence is to experience life. As I think about how we can experience life, think how life moves and works on earth. The sun makes life possible on earth. All because earth is in the right spot. That it rotates in 24 hours. Unlike another planet that some take 364 days for it to have a full rotation around the sun. What does that mean? That means that there's some places that's not going to see the sun for that period. But yet here on earth, it is evenly distributed that we have sustaining life. What about earth is so special is its atmosphere. You might hear how they search on Mars to find if there can be life on Mars because of water. But do you understand that even though if there is water there, you still won't have life because of the atmosphere? Uh, There's not enough oxygen there to sustain life. But our atmosphere is mixed with nitrogen and carbon dioxide also has oxygen. But yet we have oxygen only because of the sun. Because the sun makes plants then initiates what we call photosynthesis that absorbs the poisonous gas, carbon dioxide, and produces the gas that we can inhale, (sighs) oxygen. But notice how the sun is removing the poisonous air out and giving life to the plants through the carbon dioxide, which releases the oxygen that we are able to... That same breath is the same breath that even if you're giving CPR to somebody, you can breathe that back into them and it still has enough oxygen in it. That it gives life to them. Oh, glory be to God. But yet none of this is possible if we don't have the sun. The sun helps the plants to absorb the carbon dioxide and produce the oxygen through photosynthesis so that we might have air. That we might breathe. This is the air I breathe. The sun is also responsible for keeping the earth in orbit. We might be familiar with gravity, right? What goes up must come down. Uh, Isn't it interesting how we all wish we could be like Superman growing up or Superwoman up, up, and away? Didn't go anywhere. For a moment, right, you thought you had lift off, and then gravity kicked in and brought you right back down on earth. Uh, The sun's weight keeps earth in orbit, that it rotates around. The sun's gravity keeps earth, so it's at a comfortable distance also to enjoy the sun's light and warmth. It also holds down our atmosphere and the air we need to breathe. 
all because of gravity it holds the atmosphere in place. Because if we were too close, we'd be too hot. If we were too far away, we'd be too cold. But yet we are just right. In the presence of the sun. Do you understand how people feel better just in sunlight? Have you ever changed your mood in your house just when you open up the blinds and the sunlight came in? All of a sudden you had a smile on your face. It's a beautiful day. All because you got to see the sun. People go outside to bathe in the sun. To get some vitamin D and just enjoy some warmth. People run and walk when it comes summertime. Everybody's outside because they want to spend time in the sun because wintertime, daylight's been cut short. But when summertime, the days extend and you start realizing it's 8 o'clock and there's still sunlight outside. Kids still outside playing. Come school time, days get short. Kids come back in 8 o'clock, but I won't go outside. It's, not, it's dark outside. Get your butt in the room. Sun changes everything just want to be in the presence of the sunlight. But doesn't the S-O-N of God change everything? Just to be in his presence? Does he not produce life? Does he not just put a smile on your face? Just to be down at his feet? Just to worship him? To be in his presence? Does he not hold you together? When things are falling apart, he keeps you grounded. He becomes our anchor, our rock. He becomes our strength, our refuge. It's amazing how we look at how John tells us in the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was with God, and nothing that was made was not made without the word, and the word holds all things together. The sun to us has been very tricky as we learned about it through science. And as we advance, we know now what we did not know in the past. Because in the past, they thought since the earthlings, they living, they figured that the sun rotated around the earth because we are the center of the universe. And that's how true it is in our life that sometimes we get so caught up with ourselves, we make everything about us. And thinking it's our world. But to find out that we are orbiting around the sun and how true it is in our life, we need to find out that I should be going around the sun and not trying to make it the other way around. Being with Jesus to be in the presence of the resurrected Savior. Jesus said the proof of him being the Messiah is the lame walk. The blind receive sight. Those with leprosy are cured. And the deaf hear. The dead are raised to life. And the good news is preached to the poor. Jesus is present. Healing is all around. Blessings are all around. We know this great power because of his resurrection. Think about how this comforting of knowing the Messiah is here comforted John when he was locked up in prison, all because he was baptizing people, telling them to repent of their sins. And he was bold enough to tell Herod how he's not right, sleeping with who he was sleeping with. Herod didn't like to hear it, so he tried to stop it by locking him up. But yet he kept on coming to hear him talk. 
It's amazing how the word of God can expose us and let us know how messed up we are. But yet his love brings us closer. Mm. And so John, in his time of depression, uh, sent out some of his disciples after they visited him, say, thank you for visiting me. Uh, this is my commentary. Thank you for visiting me, uh, but I need you to check something out. Uh, you remember that guy I baptized and the skies opened up and all that stuff happened? I kind of forgot about that. Uh, can you go find out, is he the one? So they go to Jesus. And Jesus says, the blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured. The deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news being preached to the poor. That's what he told them. Go back and tell them, I am the one because this is happening. What is happening? I want to understand and grab closely here. When Jesus began his ministry, he said, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And for them to see that the kingdom of God is at hand, he started rebuking demons. He started raising people to life. He started healing people of leprosy. Blind regained sight. Deaf were able to hear. Dumb were able to speak. What happened? Just because of his presence, things that have been broken, things that have been destroyed, things that have been damaged, they have been rebuilt, they have been restored, they have been renewed, all because of Jesus. Oh, we worship you. And so remember, Peter was going to the time of prayer. A man born lame is sitting on the outside, can't get in the inside, desperate for dependence and help. Silver and gold we do not have, but in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. Isn't that powerful? This man is depending on someone to give him gold and silver because it can't work, because it can't walk. He says, I can give you the ability that you can work yourself in the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus because there's power in the resurrection. And, and the problem was happening here is that when he raised him up and he, now he's healed, he's able to go into the temple. The Bible tells us that he leaped and ran in the temple causing ruckus. Sort of like how some of us act when we go into church. We get mad when people get up and clap their hands. They're supposed to sit down and be quiet. But it, when you know Jesus like that lame man, no, you don't know what he's done for me. I, I was broken. I was down and out. But Jesus showed up. And because he showed up, I will worship him. I will bless him. I will tell everybody I know how good he is. And I will let him know without a shadow of a doubt that he's been good to me. And if you don't believe it, that's all right. But you can look at my life, and that's my testimony, that God's been good to me. And so after he calls that ruckus, remember, he he goes outside and starts hugging on Peter. They come out, start listening to him, and he's telling them about Jesus. Now, as, as many of you know, if y'all, y'all been to church before, you know when worship gets over, right, there's still people behind that got to clean up. And so now the people that were holding the worship are walking out, the priests, the high priests, the captains, the chiefs, they're coming, and that's what we bring up in chapter 4. So now they come out and find out what's going on. Uh, wait a minute. Y'all talking about Jesus, and you telling people he's alive. Now, uh, if you read your Gospels, uh, it says that they paid off the guards. 
to tell them the disciples stole the body. Yeah, 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 yeah. Y'all looking at me. I'm not going to give you the address. Go read your Gospels. But I give you a hint. It's in the end. Told them they stole the body. And, and look at the names there. The names there are the same names that were present at the kangaroo court that crucified Jesus. It's the same high priest, same assistant to the priest. So they know for a fact that they killed him. Now they're going to talk about he alive. And then you got the Sadducees who don't believe in resurrection. Don't believe that's possible. And so that's heretical teaching. How, how dare you talk about resurrection when we know we killed him? We buried him, but we can't find the body. Power to live in his presence because of the resurrection that Peter realized that uh, y'all can't stop it. Y'all try, y'all fail. The power of the resurrection lets us know that Jesus has overcome death. And if he's overcome death, what cannot be defeated in your life? Just like the sun shines on the earth and ushers in new life, so does the life of the Son of God usher in new life. Jesus says that we must be born of the Spirit. And so Spirit gives birth to Spirit. He gives us brand new life. He ushers in new life when we surrender to him. Notice that the lame man placed his faith in Jesus. To place our faith in Jesus is a simplistic sentence, but yet it's loaded. Because to place faith in Jesus is to say that I believe he is the son of God who died on the cross for my sin, who defeated death. And rose on the third day with all power in his hand and is exalted and seated at the right hand of the father interceding on my behalf. And he's coming back again. That's faith in Jesus. So the next time somebody says they got faith in Jesus, ask them what you got faith in. What what is Jesus going to do? Let them know. Can they tell the gospel story? And not to help them out, fill in the gaps for them and say, this is what it means. It's not just on Easter Sunday. It's not just Christmas Day, but every day. We must submit and surrender our life to him who died for us, who bled for us, who set us free. And we can experience this power of this new life. Because Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Experience the power of God in your life. Notice the lame man's healing caused people to see the awesome power of God. What has God changed in your life that caused people to see the awesome power of God? Uh, think about how people look at you now, and, and, and if you told them what you used to be like, they don't believe it. They're like, I, I, I can't see that. That's what you say. That's nothing but God's grace. Because how, who I am now is not who I used to be. Thank glory be to God. But I'm not who I want to be, but praise God, he hasn't given up on me yet. He's still working in me and through me because he who's begun a good work will continue until Jesus Christ comes back again. So I'm so glad I'm holding on to God's unchanging hand. But notice how they looked at the lame man and said for 40 years he's been lame, but today he's been changed. 
how, how God can change your life in one day. People can talk about past days, how you used to be. You can say, but today, I'm a child of God. Today, I've been changed. Today, I've been renewed. Today, I've been revived again. Oh, glory be to God. You, you may try to judge me and condemn me and put me in your record book, but my God got another book. And it's called the Lamb's Book of Life because it's the Lamb of God who took away the sin of the world, who died for me, that put my name in his book because he's coming back again. And when he comes back again, he's going to be like a teacher. He's going to call attendance. <laughs> and all those whose names are Lamb of they will rise. Oh, glory be to God. To be called back home with Jesus. God's given power. He has changed you for you to give him glory. Not to tell somebody else how great you are, but how great he is. So you can let them know that why I look different to you, why you can't believe who I used to be, because our God is that kind of God. He can change me from the inside. He changed the way I walk, the way I talk, because he loved me so much. He didn't want me to live in sin and shame and guilt and pain, but he wanted me to know life and life more abundantly. I, I don't look rich, but I feel rich because my God owns a cat on a thousand hill. Uh, he has a kingdom paved in streets of gold. Good uh, God from Zion. Uh, I don't know about you, but I live in a city that they walk on roads each and every year. But God's good. Look. He already got the low roads laid out. They're going to be perfect, y'all. To know that God has worked it out for us to know him. God's life-giving power in our life is for us to share with other people how he can give you life the same way. So what's God's work in your life? Because here it is that those who don't want to believe what God has done in your life can't stop from God working in your life. I want to encourage you to know that people will tell you what you cannot do, but you can tell them what God can do. Uh, they will tell you how some things might not be able to be done because just because nobody else has done it before. Nobody got on the moon before until somebody did it. Nobody invented a light bulb until somebody did it. Nobody had an automobile until somebody made one. Am I talking to somebody here? They, they all say it can't be done until somebody does it. Let them know that I'm just waiting. And when he does it, you'll see what God is working out on my behalf, in my favor. Tell your neighbor, God's in the blessing business. And so for all who trust in the name of Jesus can see God moving in their life. Because look what happened in Acts. And then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of our people, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? People might get mad at you for being good, but do good. Do you want to know how he was healed? Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene. The man you crucified. Now that he got, he got personal. Before he said you to the crowd because they were partners of it. But now the people that were actually responsible, he's saying to them, boldly in the face, the man you crucified. But y'all can't stop. Y'all see that butt there, right? But whom God raised from the dead. Basically saying that you wrong, God's right. 
that's how you can let people know, let them know that you wrong, God's right. They, they can get, let them get mad at you, let them know, but God's always right. So no matter what, they can be wrong. God's going to be. For Jesus, the one referred to the scripture that it says, the stone that you built is rejected has now become the cornerstone. He's letting them know you rejected him, but he is the anchor. He's the cornerstone. He's the one who holds all things together. The cornerstone for us to help you to understand is basically the, the simple block that holds that building together. You remove that cornerstone, the building falls off. And so, therefore, whenever this masonry will make it, they make a certain stone that's, that's different than all the other stones that establishes the foundation so that it will be fit together and built upon each other so that they can work. So if the cornerstone's not right, the building's not right. And so Jesus is the cornerstone. He is the chief. He's the one that is needed for the building to stay up. He's our rock. He's our fortress. He's our seal. And so he's pointing out to them that what you rejected is the key. Look what verse 12 says. There is salvation in no one else. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. So now, now remember how in Acts second chapter he points out that all who call on the name of the lord shall be saved that jesus is both lord and christ and so he's pointing out that there's no one mighty to save than like jesus and so that's why we need to tell people how only jesus saves there's no other name under heaven that is the name above all names he is greatly and worthy to be praised he is so good for blessing us that we ought to give him the glory and bless his holy name we need to tell people that jesus is the answer notice how the people were looking at them and they're mad at them so you look at verses 13 to 18 and you look at that notice that they, the evidence is right there in front of them they said they clearly see the man has been healed and so they realize, like, we want to reject you. We want to, we want to negate your positive statements, but we can't go against evidence. I want you to understand that don't let people negate what you're saying because they don't want to believe the evidence. You are the evidence of what God has done, that he has saved you, that he has redeemed you. Tell them what the good things God has done. And since, verse 14, but since they could see the man who had healed, who had been healed standing right there among them, there was nothing the council could say. So they ordered Peter and John out of the council chamber and conferred among themselves. What should we do with these men? They asked each other. We can't deny that they have performed a miraculous sign and everybody in Jerusalem knows about it. But to keep them from spreading their propaganda any further, we must warn them to speak, not to speak to anyone in Jesus' name again. So they called the apostles back in and commanded them never again to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. I, I, I find this interesting because remember uh, that uh, they want him to stop speaking in the name. But Peter says all this comes in his name. The authority of power is in his name. So I got to speak in his name. But here, here's the limit that if you don't mention the name, then leaves people guessing how it got happened. And so here's the here's situation that uh, if you do a prayer at a, at a public place, in a governmental place, they say that you're not supposed to use names of gods. So they, want, they don't want you to say in your prayer, in the name of Jesus, because that would be offending somebody else. 
So they give me this paper. You got to sign it when you go and you pray and you pray over Congress and all that down in Springfield, right? I said, oh, cool, I got it because I'm going to pray to the Lord. Because he is Lord. They can get mad at me. I didn't say Jesus because Jesus is Lord. Am I talking to somebody here? And so after I said, Lord, we need you. And I said, in your master's name, I pray, amen. Back, they came up and shook my hand and said, you need to come back again. You're right about it. Because when you talk to him, you got power. So here it is. that it's no other name can things change. Anybody here have, you know, how the name works out right? Anybody ever been <coughs> in, a, in your classroom, right? And you have a substitute teacher come that doesn't know all the names of the children. And so there's, oftentimes there might be a new kid that came in whose name's not on the roll, but yeah, the teacher knows the kids, so they always call the kids and they do the roll, right? But so the teacher comes in and says, have I called all the children? They'd be like, no. Well, who did I then call? Well, what's your name, right? So I didn't answer to you what? Call my name. I want to help you out. That God has a name. And we ought to call on that name. There's no other name. So you, you can't call on Buddha. Oh, hello, somebody. You, you can't call on Muhammad. But if you call on Jesus, call him up and tell him what you want. And so Peter let him know that I, I know the right name. And so uh, do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We cannot stop telling you about everything we have seen and heard. And, and so, you know, I like music. So when I saw that, I, all I could hear was the inspirational choir back time and back at night in the white. And one of the songs they used to do at the, at the intro was like, can't stop praising the name Jesus. And they would just play that song and they would walk on out singing that song. And Gary would be on, no, 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 no. Can't stop. And they would keep on going on. And basically that's what they're saying. I can't stop. By telling the good news of Jesus, you could try to cut off my lips, cut out my tongue, but I'm, I might wave my hand. <laughs> I might dance around. I will tell everybody about Jesus. And so you notice that they're saying that you see the evidence in front, you don't want to believe it. You want to stop me, but you can't stop. You try to kill him, but you couldn't stop. Do you understand? Nothing can stop Jesus. And so what happened is that, verse 21 and 22, the council threatened them further. But they finally let them go because they did not know how to punish them without starting a riot. For everyone was praising God for this miraculous sign, the healing of a man who had been lame for more than 40 years. Make the name of God great to others. Make it so great that they'll be ashamed trying to knock it down because they realize they'll be offending others. Notice what's happening here, that they realize that because how people were blessing God, giving glory to God, they couldn't knock him down. That, that, that's how it works, that when you got people that look at you and realize that you're the only one against, you start realizing that I got no evidence. He must be good. Yes, he is good. Give God the glory. And so, New Living Translation has there that they, start, they were praising God. Another one said they were giving glory to God. The key word there is where we get the word doxology. And doxology is when you are blessing God and giving 
glory to God. Can somebody say doxology? And, and doxology is basically where we get the word glory. And, and it's a weighty term. It's a heavy term to, to give God glory. And, and, and to give God glory is basically to extol him or to exalt him or to lift him up, to magnify his name. And basically when, you, when we worship God, when we bless him, when we extol him, when we glorify him, we're basically blessing him and praising him for who he is and what he has done. For he has done marvelous things. That, that's why we like Jude 24, 25 says, Now all glory to God who was able to keep you from falling away and bring you with great joy into his glorious presence with a single, without a single fault. All glory to him who alone is God our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord. All glory, majesty, power, and authority are his before all time and in the present and beyond all time. Notice how many times it says glory because we want want to give God glory. We want to give him the praise. Another one we might be familiar with is in Ephesians, the third chapter, verses 20 and 21, says, Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Do you understand that we give God glory because of his saving power? We give God glory because he has healed us. We give God glory because he's blessed us. We give God glory because he's kept us. God proves it every time that he is God in our life. You look over in Genesis all the way to the Exodus that he says, I will show you that I am God. Isaiah 6, 3, 5 says, I was amazed to see that no, in, no one intervened to help the oppressed. So this is God speaking. So I myself stepped in to save them with my strong arm, and my wrath sustained me. Isaiah 63, 12 says, Who caused his glorious arm to go out at the right hand of Moses, who divided the water before them to make for himself an everlasting name? Glorify the Lord for his saving power in your life. Notice that it was his mighty arm that stepped in. It was his strength that saved you. It was him that held you back from causing damage to yourself. It was him that insulated and surrounded you and kept you. It was him that showed you grace and mercy when you should have seen death and punishment. But grace won. Do you understand that God's greatness in your life is because of his great power of love in your life? For we are all sinners, hallelujah, saved by his grace. Aren't you glad that you can't walk around and tell somebody I'm better than you? Because we're all saved by his grace. And so when we look at that lame man for 40 years, you should see yourself and say, Lord, for 40 years, I, I, I've been down and out, depending on everybody else to give me a butt. Yet when Jesus stepped in, and so some of you say, that's too old, I'm not 40 years yet. Well, you could say for the past five years. But yet Jesus stepped in and he lifts you up, place your feet on solid ground that you might be able to leap up now and shout to God and realize in your presence, there's healing in your presence. There's peace in your presence. There's power in your presence. <laughs> good day now, Zion. May the Lord bless you real good. But on your way home, you should just stay in his presence. <laughs> 
ooh, just to be in his presence, just to be at his feet, to worship him in the room, to, to know him for who he is, to know that others may reject him, they may not accept him, but yet he knows who I am. He calls me friend. I am a friend of God. We ought to worship him and bless his holy name to think about how good he's been to us, that we are his and he has created us. We did not create ourselves. And we ought to bless him. Here's another reason why we ought to give him glory. Because we are in his presence. The trees know how to worship him. You think you're smarter than a tree. Then you ought to worship better than a tree. You can walk out right now. The trees still got their arms lifted up. But we got a hard time lifting up our arms. I don't want nobody looking at me. But notice when the tree lifts up its arms, its leaves get closer to the sun. And the closer they get to the sun, the more they grow. Notice the tree grows up towards the sun because they just want to be in its presence. And as the leaves start receiving more of the sun and they get more water from the earth, the branches become thicker. That birds start to chirp because they can land on there. And so now what happens? Now the trees worshiping God, it says, oh, magnify the Lord with me. The birds start joining in. And next thing you know, the birds start liking one another. They get baby birds. And then the baby birds join in with mommy and dad that we're going to worship God together. And you know the birds got to eat, so here come the insects. <laughs> but yet they're worshiping God too because God created them for his glory. What you saying, preacher? All I'm trying to say is that if you just do what God's called you to do, you're going to give him glory. Because he created you to worship him. He created you to serve him. Because he's the great I am. He's the mighty God. And we ought to serve him. And the psalmist says that God inhabits. The worship, the praise of his people. And if you want to be in his presence, you ought to bless him. And welcome him in the presence. That's why we have the invocation. The invocation based on God, we want you here. I'm done preaching now. I've done preached my sermon text. I'm done with that. But here's one thing I want to give you. Notice what's different when we come with the brothers and sisters in Christ. It's different when you go to a PTO meeting. It's different when you go to a sporting event. It's different when you go to a birthday party. Because when you come together with the saints, it's not about you. It's not about who you're spectating, who you're watching. But you look up and say, Lord, it's all about you. And you can lift up your hands. You can lift up your voice. And you can just say, how great is our God. Sing with me how great is our God. And all will see how great, how great is our God. The name that's above all names. He is worthy of all the praise. Sing with me how great, how great is our God. But notice what happens there. Because you want his presence. You want his glory. You want peace to come into his place. You want healing to come into this place. I, I, I bet if you started praying in your PTO, you might see healing coming in that place. You want to complain about the teachers in the prayer, but they're saying, Lord, we need you. <laughs> right now, we need to start, people start saying, Lord, let me join you in your prayer. Amen to that, sister. We need some Jesus in here. And, and listen, I say, you can't pray. Well, you can't stop me. God can do it. You can't stop me. You're going to throw me out? Well, throw me out. Throw me out. I'll be back. 
I'll be back because Jesus, oh, hallelujah, he's got power to change it. He's got power. And so here it is. You want to get in this presence. Call on the name of Jesus. Call on the name of Jesus and worship him. Let's pray, Lord. We just thank you. That is your presence.